0: Hi, this is a message from Dr. Zaid Fadul, President of the Maricopa County Medical Society's Board of Directors. MCMS is unabashedly in favor of physicians. We will work hard to ensure all physicians have a voice in the future of healthcare in the Valley. Dr. Fadul's goals for 2023 are twofold. One, to rebuild the social fabric and camaraderie of the local medical community. Make friends, connect with others for referrals. support one another for research and improvements in clinical care. Second, to increase the value of membership. We want to help you to save money, learn about changes in health care, and leverage the Medical Society as a help desk throughout your career. So please join us on this journey. Here are a few ways that you can participate. Host a social event at your practice, clinic, or hospital. Get interviewed for our Arizona Physician magazine. Share your story on this Arizona Physician Podcast. Tell us what discounts or member benefits you would like to receive. And volunteer for a committee. If you're interested in helping MCMS, then please email us. Send a short message to mcms at mcmsonline.com. Or call us at 602-252-2015. Thank you.
1: I always say you have to make sure that you stay clinically grounded and this was ingrained in me by my mentors too. If I look back at the physicians that have mentored me in these roles that have served in similar type of roles in other organizations, they've all said the same thing. You've got to be clinically active to continue to have credibility to be able to identify those problems and have that shared experience because if it's painful for me, I'll tell you, I'm a lot more motivated to fix the problem, you know, that if I'm just hearing about it and say, yeah, it's probably not that bad but when you're living it every day it may
2: be that bad hi welcome to the arizona physician podcast my name is john mcgillicott your host for today's episode we're joined today by dr michael white chief clinical officer at ValleyWise health he joined valley wise as executive vice president chief clinical officer in august 2019. in his role dr white works to advance the mission vision and values of ValleyWise health to improve clinical outcomes enhance patient experience, and grow key programs. He also serves as a liaison with Valuewise Partners at District Medical Group and the Creighton University, Arizona, Health Education Alliance. Prior to joining ValleyWise Health, Dr. White served as Chief Academic Officer at CHI Health in Omaha, Nebraska, a nonprofit faith-based health system providing service in 18 states through 101 hospitals, including three academic health centers and major teaching hospitals. He continues to serve as the Associate Dean for Technology and Innovation at the Creighton University School of Medicine. Dr. White is a practicing interventional cardiologist. He is board certified in internal medicine, cardiovascular diseases, and interventional cardiology. He received his Bachelor of Science degree in biology from Creighton University. Dr. White received his medical degree from the Creighton University School of Medicine, where he also completed a residency in internal medicine and a fellowship in cardiovascular disease. He completed a fellowship in interventional cardiology at Duke University in Durham, North Carolina. And he also earned his MPA degree more recently from Creighton University in 2019. Dr. White, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, happy to be here.
2: I'm really glad that you're on. Uh, Valleywise is a huge organization in town, great partner to many, many physicians. And as we mentioned in the bio with Creighton as well. What we wanna talk about today is your role at wise and um, why you're doing it, <laughs> what it's like to be working in management, all the different responsibilities you have. Because I think in medicine 2023, there are a lot of physicians who are looking for things outside of clinical roles and maybe looking to to go up in management. And so your advice, I think, would be very helpful for them as they choose their careers and their paths in life. So.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're chief clinical officer at Wise, but you're also, uh, as I mentioned, uh, an interventional cardiologist. So basically, why did you get into hospital management?
1: You know, and I think my, my journey is kind of an interesting saga here um, a little bit. So, you know, as I went through training and actually through all of schooling, you know, I always felt the need to be able to be part of the solution. How can I influence what we're doing or how can I influence the operations of an organization to make the change that we need to make to to be better, and whether that was uh, as part of student government back in the days of medical school or, or in residency. You know, how can we make changes to the program? Ultimately, why I decided to be a chief resident and or a chief fellow in the fellowship programs to do this. And then early in my you know early in my career as I joined as a junior faculty really got interested in how can I help form education how can I transform portions of education um, to make our students and our academic learners and the learning environment conducive to formation for the next generation of physicians so I really you know I'll say cut my teeth you know in that area serving that you know initially as a, a associate program director then as a program director and ultimately had the opportunity to get into educational leadership first. Um, and we served as, you know, as an associate dean for curriculum at Creighton and really helped us transform the way we deliver our undergraduate medical education curriculum. So again, starting first in that clinical learning environment of how we have our students rotate through the, all of the things that we did as we were students, you know, through those general electives from there. Um, But just really, again, have that passion of being able to make a change and being able to be able to catalyze, bring people together. Identify the issues and make that change. Well, in education, you can take that so far, but you know, really, that's really only one very, very small component of what we do in academic healthcare and in healthcare in general. You're getting folks on the ground roots. You're getting them as they're forming their careers. But you know, to integrate, you know, and create those change agents, you have to be able to create some of that change in health administration. So, as the chief academic officer, you know, uh, and within CHI Health when I was practicing in Omaha, really got to be able to become more part of group management, hospital, and clinical management. At that particular point, we were taking two disparate medical groups, a medical group that was purely academic physicians and had always been academic physicians and integrating them with a, a group that had been entirely clinical physicians around that and how to bring them together into, into, a, into a group um, to be able to maintain that. So as you can imagine, a whole separate you know set of problems and a whole separate set of challenges around that, but to be successful uh, was required to do that. And ultimately, then you know, as I began to learn more, I went back and I, I I did get my MBA, as you noted in the intro, there a little bit to have some of that, and felt you know now to be to get well round my skills, you know, I need to be, get, come on to the hospital side to start to solve clinical problems for practicing clinicians, you know, still have the influence on the learning environment for the residents, but be able to come into those environments to do this, and I feel. That as a physician and as a practicing physician, you we have the skills that we understand what it's going to take from that individual patient relationship with that patient sitting in front of you, you know, what that patient needs, but also be able to take a step back, look at it from a systems perspective and say, what are those challenges? What can we do to make these patient experiences better? What are the problems that we're looking to solve? And I think the physician mindset there is, is, is invaluable to. Work organizations to do that. So I hope to continue to you know learn the skills, uh, continue to refine the skills that are necessary to be able to, to do that work around that. And that's part of the reason that I took this this journey to become the chief medical officer, which kind of expanded now into the chief clinical officer to, to role here um, within ValleyWise to be able to recognize that. So sorry for the long-winded answer, but I thought that would get us a good place to start.
2: That's a great one. Thank you so much. And, and there's a lot that you do. Um, my understanding that someone in, in this position that you have is responsible for clinical guidance. You're looking at patient care, the quality of patient care, leading staff to try to achieve these clinical goals that you've got set out. And then you also have the side of recruiting, retaining clinical staff. So is that correct in my assumption of, of the, the breadth and the depth of what you're doing? And There's some things that we're missing.
1: No, that's a, that's a good summary of, of, of just the activities, you know, of somebody that, you know, kind of bridges that goal between clinical care and operations, which is where I sit. So we need to make certain that we have, you know, the proper staff, tools, training, etc., around, you know, within the organization for people to effectively work to be able to take care of the patients that we're, we're serving to do that. And ultimately, you know, it's my responsibility to make sure we have people in place that, be able, can, that can perform that to be able to, can, to, to do patient care. But also that is, is—is are we doing the right things for the patients at the right time? And that's making sure that we have robust structures in place where as clinical guidance changes, as recommendations changes, how we're able to incorporate that into our standards of practice within the organization, make sure that we're measuring that appropriately, make sure we're reporting that appropriately and being transparent about where we're going to go um, around it. And, And really that's, I think a lot of, you know, clinical management and a physician's clinical management is, you know, how do you bring people together, identify the problem, say, what are we doing well? This is our goal. What are we doing well today? How can we capitalize that? Where do we have opportunities that we can do this better? And how can we learn from our peers around the country, you know, and and other organizations around that? Again, as physicians and as physician leaders, you have the opportunity, you read literature all the time, you understand, you know, the process is to evaluate whether this that you're reading is great, and this is something we ought to do this, or this is junk, you know, this is something we ought to stay away from around it, and having that mindset to do that. You know, one of the things that I think that has been key for me, and I, I and I espouse this to anybody that, you know, works in our environment as a physician leader is I feel physician leaders need to continue to practice clinically and everybody here will tell you that I speak this mantra all the time you know as a physicians are interviewing or they are looking to make you know transitions into different roles where they're not entirely clinical I always say you have to make sure that you stay clinically grounded and this was ingrained in me by my mentors too if I look back at the physicians that have mentored me in these roles that have served in similar type of roles in other organizations they've all said the same thing you've got to be clinically active to continue to have credibility to be able to identify those problems and have that shared experience because if it's painful for me I'll tell you I'm a lot more motivated to fix the problem you know that if I'm just hearing about it and say yeah it's probably not that bad but when you're living it every day it may be that bad and and you're more motivated to fix that so
2: yeah that's a good point and and the connection that you have to the other physicians right so correct you can't be uh, uh you know Feeling like you're disconnected, and they're complaining about issues, or they're bringing you solutions, and you don't know that, you know how to frame it the right way. Doctor White, which aspects of your role do you think are the most difficult? Whether um, that's in the day to day or the the overall long term success and achieving success for ValueWise.
1: You know, certainly, I think, you know, if you'd asked me this question three years ago, I would have answered it differently than I answer it today, you know, based on what we've gone through over the past three years through um, uh, all the transitions and all the changes we've seen in healthcare, you know, with the pandemic and the changes that we're continuing to go through due to the pandemic um, around that. I certainly see the day to change today is most difficult is how do you manage that change? How do you manage to keep people motivated with the fact that, you know, we're continuing to ask people to do things differently now than we ever have before? What was successful, you know, again, three short years ago, just may not be what we can do today in this new and ever-changing environment. And the goalposts move frankly, daily, you know, it's not as bad as it was early on, but certainly continue to change, you know, of what we're doing, our expectations, you know, and our of uh, what's going on within the community have changed, you know, our patients expectations of us continues to change around that. And having people's capacity to build resilience and be able to manage that change is probably the most, biggest challenge that any healthcare executive has today um, around it. Because it's taxing. you know, and we talk a lot about burnout. We talk a lot about that for folks um, around there. And I think it's, it is tiring to just say, hey, I just want to come in. A, can we do the same thing? Can we have the same process more than a week or two in a row before we're trying to change it? Um, and And I believe that that is continues to be a, a challenge um, around there. We will reach a point of stability. We have to um, are, around there. And I think we're coming to that closely to that. I think as we sort of transition through these various phases of how we're going to live through you know, new variants of viruses, new variants of things, and and develop this cadence, people will settle back into a routine. And I give that capacity for, for some of that resilience. But we have a lot of work to do to rebuild some of that.
2: Yeah, thank you. You've been on quite a ride since August of 2018. I'm sorry, August of 2019, when you started, you're facing a lot, right? And, and as you alluded to, a lot of stress that, that fellow physicians and nurses and NPs and PAs, like, your whole team is facing from the general public, from patients, from outside. So, what motivates you each day to go to work and what do you look forward to doing?
1: Yeah. So, I think what motivates me each day is you know, I know that we, all of us that have chosen healthcare and have chosen healthcare as their profession is really here to, you know, we want to make people's lives better. We want to help people, you know, achieve the goals that they're looking to set for themselves. And we have the, uh, you know, opportunity, and many of us are blessed with the opportunity of seeing patients at their worst around that, but we can do things and we have the skills, knowledges, and tools that we can help people get better and help people achieve those goals. And what motivates me every day is I know that we can create systems where we're going to be able to make that efficient for people to make sure that people have access and availability to be able to get to those resources when they need them. And ultimately, we're going to have the ability to have change and educate folks to hopefully prevent some of these things from happening long term, you know, so we don't have to rely so much on acute care. uh, But we can start to do things that are going to make people, you know, live healthy, healthy, Enriching and fulfilling lives um, that they're looking for, and I think again we have wonderful, motivated people. Everybody again in healthcare is looking to do that. So coming together with those folks, you know, motivates me to say, "Hey, we can do this. We can do this together if we're all pointing in the right direction."
2: Dr. Michael White, thank you so much. We'll take a short break and continue with our conversation, uh, Dr. Michael White of Valleywise, talking about the changes in healthcare some pros and cons of the current system from a physician perspective from a patient perspective and finally some recommendations that he may have for other physicians going into hospital or practice management we'll be right back
1: interested in cme patient and professional referrals networking and connecting with other physicians across the valley want to be highlighted in our arizona physician magazine and podcast or interested in exclusive discounts for your next vacation At MCMS, we offer all of the above to fit your needs as a physician. Join us now. For more info, check us out at mcmsonline.com or give us a call today at 602-252-2015.
2: Welcome back to the Arizona Physician Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Michael White, Chief Clinical Officer for Wise Health. So, Dr. White, the first half of the show, we talked about your position, um, all the responsibilities you have, what you found to be some of the most difficult aspects, and what motivates you. Now, I want to talk a little bit about changes in healthcare today. There have been a lot going on the last five or 10 years. There's a lot of horizontal integration of of practices into larger groups, uh, vertical integration of hospitals, acquiring practices, and so on. So, the landscape of Um, of where health professionals are being employed and how patients access care has certainly changed and continues to evolve with telehealth and and other platforms. From a patient perspective first, what would you say are some pros and cons of the current system? And then I'll ask you from a physician perspective.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, certainly, I couldn't agree more. We're in, we're continue to be in this period of dynamic change around healthcare and how healthcare is delivered, you know, throughout the country, the United States. Certainly, what we're seeing here uh, within Maricopa County um, and in Arizona around there, from the patient perspective, I think you know you know they're learning with us about how to best access healthcare. I think that there are lots of options that are available now for patients to access healthcare and healthcare delivery that didn't exist before. And you mentioned that, you know, we're starting to see some smaller uh, places for urgent care, for quick care, um, and some different retail environments. We're seeing the ability to do uh, things virtually through telemedicine around there. So I think that access piece has started to improve um, around there um, and be able to get that when somebody has a condition that they feel they need to talk to somebody about, that they have that ability, you know, to be able to relatively easily be able to get to the get to that patient or to get to that information from their perspective. I think one of the challenges is is that truly continues to fragment the way we deliver healthcare you know historically you know as you established a relationship with a physician or a healthcare provider that was your your trusted source for health information and you would access that person who got to know you not just in your medical problems or for that one singular instance or illness, but be able to develop that relationship and be able to understand all of the other factors that may be playing into that single point in time illness. And I think one of the cons as we, you know, fragment this care is we sort of lose that ability. And with all of the focus that we've had within healthcare and healthcare delivery on those social determinants of health care around that and affecting physical and mental health care, not having that information or not having that relationship as a physician, seeing that patient for that single one point in time in that particular illness, not understanding all the influence really can be a detriment over time to that. So I think, you know, as we're going forward in this we're going to have to encompass some of that because patients love the convenience of being able to have episodic care. They love that ability to reach out to get to somebody. If it's at two o'clock in the morning, fire up the phone, you know, and be able to talk to somebody to get the help they need at that particular point um, around that. But that information that the treating physician may have as they're having that call, very, very limited for that one point in time. We have to sort of, we have to fix that, I think, you know, to be more efficient from there.
2: Episodic care is certainly the way that I've been doing it for probably 25 years. I I don't think I've been to a primary care physician consistently since um, I think the uh, the pediatrician and and the family care practitioner and the father and son practice that I had growing up in Illinois, and that's been quite a while. Okay, so what would you say are some of the pros and cons from the physician perspective, whether you're looking at, um, at career options you know how they can practice or is it becoming less options for them to practice um, and how they can access uh, patients and so on
1: yeah I think from a first from from a physician perspective a couple of points there certainly you know as physician groups um, sort of Become part of larger organizations, it does have some ability to have financial stability around that. When we start to see these ebbs and flows of patient volumes that are coming in to seek care or seek these new, new modalities of care, that you don't have as much financial risk as you're trying to do pivots if you're backed by the larger organizations. That's certainly a pro. But certainly the con is that is we lose some of the autonomy that you may have had um, as you are an independent practice or a private practice around that as you're dependent on some of those resources, as their goals and objectives from the larger organization may not be one-on-one aligned with the goal from that individual physician provider um, around that to do that um, and from that. But I certainly see, you know, there are pros is, again, I think people are willing to access healthcare, you know, and I think that people are seeking out those uh, individuals to do that. So from a physician perspective, there's no lack of opportunities for physicians to be involved um, and be able to have patients to be able to take care of. I think the other, you know, con that we have here is, again, there's just so much information and there's so much, you know administrative requirements today to practice um, around that, that it's become increasingly burdensome around this. And I think we're starting to see some push from our organizations, from our national organizations, some of our independent medical societies and specialty societies, To really have the regulators start to focus on this, this prior authorization and insurance, you know, milieu for uh, us as individual practicing physicians will become untenable, you know, um, over time Um, and really to provide a, a challenge for people to access care and access timely care um, if we continue to increase this burden, you know, on the individual docs to do that. And I think we have to, as physician leaders, continue to advocate and be, you know, the voice of reason saying, hey, you know, I've I've done a lot of work have a lot of education i have a lot of experience i am the person here on the first line front line sitting in the treatment room with the patient in my opinion you know this is what we need to do to move forward and we as we need to decrease the burdens to be able to have that position be able to access that, and get those modalities um, achieved around it. And that's going to continue to take advocacy from all of us, from all of us that are providers, you know, that provide these care to these patients around us. Physicians need to continue to talk to their members of the legislature, to members of Congress, you know, to our senators um, around there to be able to say, hey, we need to start to focus on this, you know, because if we continue to increase these burdens, it continues to erode the trust between me and my patient. I'm telling you that I want you to do this, but then I can't get it done for from some administrative reason in the background that the patients truly don't understand, and that leads again to more of these, you know, physician burnout issues and more of these, you know, uh, capacity for change issues. As we're just continuing to, to work towards that, so that's the biggest con from the physician perspective today that I can see.
2: Thanks, Doctor White. I think um, that would resonate with a lot of listeners. Not surprising. From what I've seen, there is a fight brewing between physician groups and, and uh, large employers and the insurance industry with um, all the barriers that have been put in place. And I think the from the physician perspective, the way that organizations like insurance carriers, especially the private carriers, have gotten in the way, um, and many docs would argue, with providing patient care and the choices that they would make for their patients there have been improvements with prior authorization in the state of Arizona, but long way to go. Okay. Baby steps,
1: but I agree with you. Babies, we're making baby steps, but the only reason we're making baby steps is because physicians continue to be active and continue need to continue to you know to continue to educate our our political leaders, you know, on these challenges and how it uh, continues to erode the trust in the public. And I think that our voice, our collective voice as physicians, is is a very important in this issue.
2: Yeah, make yourself available. I mean, there are lots of organizations. This show is hosted by the Maricopa County Medical Society. There are many out there that that people can get involved with and just uh, play a part. So my final question for you today, Dr. White, is about recommendations for for other physicians. Um, So you talked earlier about how you were able to gain some experience by volunteering at at, uh, medical student government levels, um, when you first had your, your first couple of physicians volunteering to get into management, sort of wet your feet, what would you recommend other physicians do to get into hospital or practice management or steps they could take to prepare themselves for more senior positions?
1: certainly I think there's lots of opportunities for physicians as they want to be involved in these you know all of our organizations have various committees which they need to have physician representation and need to have that physician voice on this and you know many of the of, of all of our practicing hospitals and our groups will have those such as the quality committee and experience committee um, and it's really incumbent on us to start to work in those areas and be effective and start to learn some of these processes around this. You know, our administrative colleagues, folks that came up in the business world and some of the practice management world around this, you know, have a lot of skill sets that we can learn from that really enhance our ability to, you know, create collaborations and make effective change. So being able to be immersive in those environments and get involved and then speaking with those folks that are in the senior leadership roles within your organizations to say, hey, I want to have the opportunity to serve. Is there an opportunity to serve in one of these committees? And and determine if you're, you know, this is something that you're, interests you to be a catalyst and part of that change of how you're able to bring people together you know, communicate and collaborate with your partners um, around that. And certainly if this is something that resonates with you as you're, you know, get your feet wet in some of these committees, then there are a number of ways to do it. Many of the specialty societies will have leadership tracks if there's something that interests you in your particular specialty around that. I'll, I'll just fall back on what I know is, you know, from the American College of Cardiology, if physicians, cardiologists are interested in that, there's a wonderful track within the American College of Cardiology to do this. If there's something broader around that, certainly the American College of Healthcare Executives, there's a significant track within that to be able to get some of these skills from the practicing physicians around that, which doesn't have to be a formal educational degree. It's not going back to get your MBA, um, your MHA, or any of those things. It's to give you some of those practical skills, you know, in these areas to become, you know, more involved around this to do that. And then make the decision if you want to continue to broaden your careers around that. The other one is the associate. The American Association of Physician Leadership, and I might not have that exactly correct um, around that, but those are the, the kind of the big organizations, those specialty societies. You know, the American College of Healthcare Executives, and then the uh, Association for Physician Leadership. And looking at those um, around that, this again, is this something that you truly want to get into um, around that? But get your feet wet, you know, in those grassroots local areas around that, and talk to folks that are in those roles around what the pros and cons are, if it's something that you you really want to do. Managing physician-patient relationships and taking care of patients is a lot different than managing large groups of people and large groups of problems, you know, around it. So you, you certainly have to think about, you know, if how you want to make that change. As people here will tell you, if mike's not in his office you know he probably went down to the cath lab because he needed to be away from everybody because that's the easy part of the job you know uh, going to take care of patients we all know how to do that so around that so um from it so that would be kind of my advice
2: right on well dr michael white chief clinical officer at valley wise health and um from what i can tell blue is your favorite color you were a blue <laughs> devil but really you've been a blue jay your whole life um thank you so
1: much for coming on the show Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, and appreciate all the work that you do. This production is brought to you by Maricopa County Medical Society. MCMS is increasing value for physicians throughout the Valley. For more info, check out mcmsonline.com, or simply give us a call at 602-252-2015. Helping physicians be the best they can be.